This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. podcast about the books you've been meaning to read my name is craig my name is andrew age 36 my name is craig age 36 huh oh yeah we're in the equinox where we're both the same age for like a month when the by the time this comes (laughs) out you will have moved ahead again Mm -hmm. yep that's because that's just i'm like a shark i can't stay still i gotta keep aging i can never stop i neglected to uh be a braggart for the the five days when i am two years older than laura mm-hmm. i missed my window i was so oh, distracted. that's too bad yeah i mean she's got stuff going on it's probably yeah. good it's probably it's probably fine that i didn't you know <laughs> sh- shove that in her face mm-hmm. for what it's mm-hmm. worth we have a someone guest. else is here on the call yeah. hello also. yes hello <laughs> me it's you if they looked at the episode title they know your name but could you say it so that they don't confuse anyone's voices Yes. Uh, hello, my name is Catherine Van Arendonk. Yeah. I am, I think, I believe it or not, while you were saying what your na- your age was, could not figure out my own age. I'm I have pretty, to think about it. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's 37, but I'm yeah. honestly iffy about that. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, and I then did a little mental math, and it checks out, I think, but... Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I am so excited to be here because I love these books. Love them. Great. Well, we love books in general, but we will uh, afford you this hour or so to be in love with a specific series of books. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Each week on the pod, one or many of us read a book. We broke that rule a little bit. All of us read the book this time. Um, and then we talk about it, and then the listeners get to hear about it. Um, Catherine... You were doing us a solid and being willing to come on for a guest ep uh, in you know November, and you and I went back and forth a little bit on what we might want to talk about since it was my paternity leave, and then um, you were like, "Oh yeah, I, what if I read Ramona Quimby?" <laughs> so like, where do we're going to talk about Ramona Ramona Quimby, age eight, by Beverly Cleary? Mm-hmm. Why that book? And then Andrew can tell us a little bit more about Miss Cleary. Great. Um, So I know for paternity leave uh, episodes that you guys have done in the past and for um, episodes that I have done for previous, you know, we're having babies. um, (laughs) We pick and you guys have been talking about books that are about parenting, right? But they're like, many of them are very specifically um, how to be a dad, how to raise kids. I think I I talked about siblings without rivalry before um, that tend to be more like the nonfiction guides to to parenting or to some aspect of childhood. And so I was looking at sort of the options and I, I really like another book by the same author of siblings without rivalry. That's called how to talk so kids can listen and listen so kids can talk. And so I was thinking about, you know, maybe doing that one. And then as I was thinking about what I, as a parent am really focused on and like really value and the kinds of books that I find most deeply meaningful to how I try to be a better parent. They are not those books. Mm -hmm. They are Ramona. Like (laughs) Ramona is really bang in the center of like my whole, um, I cannot say that they're like models for how to be parents, right? Mm. Like Ramona is not like a bluey situation where you're watching it and you're thinking like, if only I could be exactly like those parents. (laughs) (laughs) But it is something that I think is uh, much more true to how life actually feels than, than bluey is honestly most of the time, particularly as your kids start to get enough older that they are aware of themselves as human beings. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And the emotional complexity of it on both the kid and parent side, I think, is really fascinating. Um, and so for like for me, if we're going to talk about parenting, like we're talking about Ramona, that's mm-hmm. like one of the canon texts. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I had read a bunch of Ramona books as a kid, but I had never read, I'd never come back to one as an adult or as a parent. And let me tell you, this one, this one really gets you. Oh God. Well, as a parent, they all really get you. They already really get you. Cause you do, Bluey's, a, Bluey's an interesting touchstone. And yep. partly because I will talk about Bluey to literally anyone who will listen and sometimes even to people who won't listen. Yep. But it's also, it, it is like Bluey in that you get, occasionally a little tiny unvarnished glimpse into what the parents are worried about or doing or saying. And that gives you more insight into the family dynamic. And it also gives, you know, while you are reading about Ramona's mischief, you, you can also, you can also like the parents are also real people and they're having their own real lives that are happening just like just off screen somewhere. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. I've never read a Ramona book. I don't know how <gasps> this happened. Like, I was think- too busy reading Star Wars books. I, think, I guess I honestly think that's what I was reading. Matt Christopher books, and I then went right into Star Wars books. And Jack I don't Porkins, know, age eight. I don't know how it happened. Over here. Like Boba it, Fett, age eight. <laughs> God, it's coming soon to Disney Plus. Um, <laughs> but I it's on Tatooine, <laughs> and I read. You know, I I read the My Side of the Mountain books, and it wasn't like I was not reading at this age where i would have discovered these i just don't don't know how it happened um but i had a great read yeah so i'm, I mean, I'm very grateful you, for this opportunity <laughs> what you maybe needed was a public school without enough money to update its book collection and so you still needed to be reading stuff that came out in like the 70s and 80s as maybe. a child in the 90s that's part of it i mean i think the other thing is for me these were books that that were read to me as a child Mm. And they are crucial read-aloud books. I want to plug my own work, I guess. Um, I wrote an obituary of its author, Beverly Cleary, right after she died. Um, And I wrote in that piece about remembering my mom reading these books to me and now reading them to my kids and the the continuum that you get when you read aloud these particular books is that you, as a kid, hear your parent describe Ramona's terrible moods mm. and her deep desire to do a bad thing that she knows is bad and the intensity of her emotional reaction to things. And then you read you hear your parent read the part of the book that forgives her and understands her for that. Mm-hmm. And the the feeling of like hearing your parent sort of tacitly acknowledge and appreciate <laughs> that emotional explosion and say like, yes, this is a part of being a human. And then turning around and like, I, I now read that to my kids. And like, they hear that same kind of like, Ramona was mad at her mother and her mother forget like, it's very intense. A less, man. a less good parent would say, "Read alouds do not equal endorsement." They would read, they would read that section and then go, "But not you, not me. This is different." <laughs> no, it's a less good parent, is what I'm saying. Ramona is all of us. Ramona well, is true. all of us. Ramona is all of us. I mean, yeah. she's, particularly she is your two children combined together into one true. person, an almost but perfect combination. In a, in a broader, more general sense, yes, she is all of us. She is all of us. Andrew, yeah. you want to tell us uh, where what we need to know about Beverly Clear? We have talked about her before on episode. 468 the mm-hmm. mouse and the motorcycle but just mm-hmm. catch us up in case anybody... Catherine, i bet you're better than us have you now or ever in the past referred to her as beverly clearly by accident <laughs> i have not but again not. like i grew up with beverly cleary <laughs> i so. also did and i have called her beverly clearly <laughs> including on this podcast though i did i have edited that out but anyway we did a uh that we did one of the ralph s mouse books the mouse yes. and the motorcycle books uh, back in April of last year, uh, shortly after she passed away in March of 2021. Um, so we'll just do a quick recap of her life and times. Uh, Beverly Cleary, born Beverly Bunn, which I like is very Barry Block, that name. I like uh, mm-hmm. I like the alliterative name. Um, 
she was an author. She was a, you know, she, she came up reading books, but being dissatisfied with like the fact that she couldn't find books that were written from the point of view of a child, from the point of view of children who are worried about child things. Uh, so she grows up, she becomes an educator. She becomes a, like a, a children's librarian and she's trying to help kids find these books and they still don't exist. So she decides to channel that, like that frustration into an untapped market. Beverly Cleary, uh, rampant capitalist <laughs> taps into a great untapped market of kid books about kids being kids. And then she just kind of runs with it and writes a million kids books. It starts with the Henry Huggins books. Uh, the first one, Henry Huggins was published in 1950 and that book was also the debut of Ramona and her big sister Beezus. Uh, they were added in, um, revisions, I think after the book was initially rejected and then she just added this, this like little girl and her sister in, um, yeah, the Henry Huggins books continue for a while and then Ramona just kind of takes over, <laughs> takes over the, the Huggins verse, mm. uh, Ramona, Ramona Quimby, age eight, was published in 1981. I think it's the sixth of eight yeah. books. And yeah. then the last book that Cleary wrote before she retired uh, was Ramona's World. That's the eighth book in 1999. Um, uh, yeah, she lived in Oregon. That's where most of these books are set. So, you know, we get a mention of Mount Hood in this, I think, mm-hmm. that gives us a sense of place. But uh, yeah, just a, a beloved author, won a Newbery Medal, won many other, like a National Medal of Arts, many other awards uh, and and forms of recognition. And yeah, she just was, was a touchstone of my, it was like her and Judy Bloom were both yeah, Judy Bloom. kind of operating in the same space for me when I was, yeah. you know, when I was a kid, uh, yeah. even though I know Judy Bloom was doing it a couple decades later, but um, yeah. 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 Um, Beverly Cleary also, when she did die very recently, she was 104. 104. Yeah. Almost 105. You Wouldn't? love to see somebody who isn't evil live forever and ever. We so <laughs> do. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons I also wanted, because I knew you guys had talked about um, one of the Mouse of the Motorcycle books, and I I love those two, but they, to me, they are operate not- in a different space they're a different (laughs) mode it's not here's ramona and her like little leprechaun friend or whatever yeah Yeah. (laughs) um they're not the they're not the kind of book that like when i think of her as like a literary genius which i truly believe that she is Mm -hmm. they are because of the the kinds of depictions of childhood that she does uh in in the ramona books in particular i i have gone back and also read the henry huggins they're pretty good but they really work best for me as like a backdoor ramona pilot which you know yeah it's it is a combination of that and then of judy bloom coming in and doing a boy version of ramona with the fudge books. And right. I always like, I constantly get the Henry Huggins books confused with fudge, fudge who ones. eats his brother's the separation, <laughs> the separation between Ramona and the mouse books, Andrew, it reminds me of when we were talking about Graham Greene and his entertainments versus his novels. Like yes. there are, mm-hmm. there are not, th- not to say that these books are serious, but these books, I think I'm, I get that read that you're giving Catherine of like, these are a little more meat. And the other ones are like just adventures, maybe. Yeah, you got you do a romp sometimes. We yeah. all love a romp, but like nobody's reading the mouse books and being like, "Whoa, I have to reflect on my childhood yeah. now." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then like, we we were talking about this when we when you were specifying which Ramona book it was, Catherine. But there's almost like a Peanutsian quality yeah. to to them, where you can kind of sum each book up by the major. Uh, the major like vignettes or the major yes. incidents that happens to Ramona. The other one that I remember a lot of off the top of my head is the uh, the Donzer one, whichever one that one is. Incredible. I believe that is. I think it's from... the one before this one or a couple ones before. I think this it's one. a couple ones before. I think that's Ramona the Brave. I think that's when she's in first grade. Yeah, I remember um, Ramona the Brave and I remember Ramona the pest i think those were those were two i read but yeah it's it's because she's like two or three in the first henry huggins book and then you do one, one of the lovely things about the series is you get to see her age and, yes. and clearly like intentionally did not want to do like ramona's teenage year so i think in like ramona's world she ends up being nine or ten years old and that's the last you see of her but you do definitely get like a in in it happens a lot in this book um you get a growing sense of her like 
her sense of her own like responsibility and her sense of her place in the family and her desire to be, you know, like a, a big, a big person, a grown up person, a responsible person, which is very, that age to me is like, you, you are, you are still a kid, but you are becoming more aware of this other grown up world that exists like on your periphery and wanting to be more a part of it. And that's something that I think this captures really great. Yeah. 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 So the first book is Ramona the Pest. Uh, she's a kindergartner there. Um, by Ramona the Brave, she's in first grade. I think Ramona the Brave has one of my f- favorite early Ramona anger moments. She gets really, really, really upset. Um, and there's a quote from uh, f- from Ramona the Brave. There's this part where she's like, I'm going to say a bad word. And her mm-hmm. parents then wait. And then she just yells, guts, 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 guts. <laughs> yes, I remember that. <laughs> And they laugh and she's so furious because she's trying to really be like really, really bad. Yeah. And she mm-hmm. is, has has been as bad as she possibly can be. And instead they've laughed at her. And that's, yeah, that's the same Ramona who calls these boys in this in this book a yard, like yard apes. Yard and that's apes. The, that's the worst insult that she can that she can conceive of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It's hard to be eight, but you know, it doesn't have to be hard taking care of yourself. If it's been a while since you've been to the doctor, maybe you need to check out ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient reviewed, take your insurance and are available when you need them. Uh, You can read up on local doctors, get verified patient reviews, and see what other real humans had to say about their visit. So you walk into that doctor's office, you're set up to see someone in your network who gets you. Uh, So go to ZocDoc.com, choose a time slot, and whether you want to see the doctor in person or do a video visit, and just like that, you're booked. You can find a doctor that's right for you and book an appointment that works for your schedule. Uh, I have used ZocDoc just recently to find a new dentist and a new primary care physician, trying to get my health right, trying to take care of myself. And if you're listening to this, you know, you have to listen to me. That's just, that's the contract between podcaster and podcast listener is like, you just have to, you have to do what I say. So uh, go to ZocDoc.com slash overdue and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash overdue. ZocDoc.com slash overdue. Yeah. So we can sort of talk through the general story of this and, and the vignettes of it. Um, Ramona Quimby, age eight, is a third grader, which is also the age of my eldest daughter right now, which is why that is part of why I picked this one. Um, and so it begins, as most of the Ramona books do, with like, it's a new school year. She's going to figure – She's always you're always worried about who your teacher is going to be. She's – increasingly able to articulate the possibility to herself that like her teacher might not like her and like how much of a problem that actually is Mm -hmm. for her life which is also such a childhood thing and my god then you're stuck with this person for a year and they just (laughs) decide everything about your whole world for a year what is the the thing that she mentions that really catches her ear at the beginning of class. And we, we should make sure we double back and like do a setup of where the family is too. Yeah. Yes. Um, but the style, there's something like turn the chair around and be cool about Mrs. Whaley in this book where she like, she refers to them as you guys early. Yeah. And Ramona's yes. like, what is this? What's happening? Are we adults now? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And- yeah, yeah. Uh, Mrs. Whaley kind of uh, throws her for a, a loop a, in a couple of different ways. And it, it, it becomes one of the major uh, miscommunications. It's not even really a miscommunication, but a, a sort of misunderstanding in the book, her inability to read Mrs. Whaley or sort of a, a more opaque than her beautiful, lovely kindergarten teacher who was just the sweetest person of all time. Mm-hmm. 
All right, you guys, quiet down, said the teacher. Ramona was startled to hear her class called you guys. <laughs> Most teachers she had known would say something like, I feel I am talking very loud. Is it because the room is noisy? And like that just... The thing about Beverly Cleary is that the prose is so simple often that mm -hmm. you can be so deceived into thinking like it is basic or yeah, yeah, that yeah, it yeah. is easy. And instead, it, it has the clarity of it is overwhelmingly um, transparent. The ideas of it are communicated with that sense of like a there's. It's like a lossless transformation yeah. between what is happening in her brain and what you would then get. It's incredible. Yeah, to because me, you, to with, with that with that one interaction, like putting aside even what you were learning about Ramona in that moment, Cleary is communicating about this teacher. One, she is different. Like a, a teacher of slightly older kids is different from a teacher of younger kids. Yep. And then also this woman is different. This specific teacher, this specific lady is different from the other lady that you knew about. Before. Yeah. Which, which then has mm -hmm. like a payoff when like the, the core misunderstanding of this book, which we'll get to, which really eggs at uh, Ramona oh, oh, um, huh. is eggs. like you can you believe <laughs> that that would happen with that teacher and that it would resolve the way it resolves because of who this teacher is, yes. which is not just like a Pollyanna resolution of that plot line. Like there's a few scenes that sketch out who this person is and how they behave and why they would respond to Ramona the way that she does. Yeah. Um, which is really yeah. th them hashing that out is really wonderful. It is. Um, yeah, we, we will get there. But yes, we should back up. So Ramona is the youngest daughter in this family. There are two girls. Her older sister's name is Beezus. In this book, Beezus is in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. her, real, her given name is Beatrice. Beatrice. Yes. There's a quote from Cleary where she says, I tossed in a little sister to explain Beezus' nickname. <laughs> like that is the genesis of Ramona is I needed someone to be a little antagonist to Beezus. I don't yeah. remember if you get because because Beezus is, I I feel like she might be the the protagonist of one book, but she's kind of a side character in both the Henry Huggins and the Ramona. She gets Beezus and Ramona. She gets Beezus and Ramona, which I yeah, yeah um, which she also, has even even then only has like co top billing with yeah, <laughs> with Ramona. Yeah. And that's the <laughs> but that's uh, the there's name a, of the 2010 film, of course, hmm, Beezus of course. and Ramona, starring Joey King and Selena Gomez. Just so um, we're all clear. But there's a there's a moment in one of the Huggins or, or Ramona books where some older kids hear Ramona call her Beezus and they start yelling Jesus Beezus at her <laughs> yeah. in a way that deeply mortifies her. And that also is very real. Just a lot of real moments in all these books. So real. Um, they live with their family on Clickitat Street which is a great name for a street. They live in Oregon. She can see Mount Hood out the window of her school. She's in third grade. And she, as you had mentioned, is really newly aware of like what her parents' lives are like. So as she is considering what third grade is going to be like, there's this um, passage that explains a little bit. So her mom has now started working again. And is working in a doctor's office. She's like a receptionist, sort of. Um, I think she probably also does administrative filing yeah. and things mm -hmm. for the doctor. And part of the reason her mom has gone back to work is because her father has been working in a grocery store and it wants to now quit that job and go back to school so that he can be a, a teacher. And so he is taking classes some of the time and he is also then picking up shifts in the frozen food storage of the grocery chain of the name brand ShopRite, which i yeah. was surprised by beverly cleary just yes. call it and use an actual chain an actual here. chain mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's not called like the the buy good or something yeah <laughs> which is like, like is like whopper burger a thing what a burger what a or whopper whopper burger whopper whopper burger i, I feel like whopper burger is a composite I yeah, because it seems more like a 
we had a place called the Ground Round. Uh, it seems like that. Yeah, Whopper is just the Burger King. Just the Burger sandwich. King. Burger. I think Whopper Burger yeah. is okay. a yeah. word yeah. backwards to yeah. Uh, and so he tries to he, he makes a lot of jokes about this job, and, and it seems makes it kind of seem cool. He calls himself Santa's little helper because he's driving this forklift around in this frozen warehouse. But it is very clear that it is actually miserable at yeah. many points. He in hates the book. it. Yeah, he yeah. hates it. Though so, probably, I mean, we talked about this a little bit in the the uh, the Mouse of the Motorcycle episode. Is the middle class that gets to exist in the Ramona books is still like this is probably still a, like a union job that pays okay, like not great, but but Mr. Mr. Quimby is not working three jobs and sleeping in his car to try and like no live but by himself. There in is yeah. real financial. Oh crisis yeah, yeah, that for sure, for sure, for sure, and yeah. it is deeply concerning. Yes. Uh, so he is singing high hopes. Uh, we've got cherry pie, cherry pie in July hopes. So then Ramona says, um, Ramona enjoyed her father's making up new words for the song about the little old aunt moving the rubber tree plant, and she liked being old enough to be counted on. She's describing here uh, how because her mom is working, she now has to go after school to stay with this family, the Kemp's, and then play with this little kid, uh, Willa Jean. Willa Jean mm-hmm. loathes. She seems like and, fine on on Howie, right? Yeah, like, well, Howie Howie's, doesn't she's, stink. Howie, Howie, yeah, he's never really been her favorite, but like she she gets Howie, you know. <laughs> um, but sometimes when she went to the Kemp's, she felt as if everything depended on her. If Howie's grandmother did not look after her, her mother could not work full time. If her mother did not work full time, her father could not go to school. If her father did not go to school, he might have to go back to being a checker, the work that made him tired and cross. So she has this sudden, like this burden of, I have to get along with Willa Jean. And it's not just for like, amorphous kid good behavior reasons yeah. it's because the like financial future of my family is dependent on my ability to get along with this incredibly obnoxious kindergartner yeah yeah the, who she probably honestly finds obnoxious partly because she is a little too ramona yeah 100 <laughs> percent. well and this raises the stakes of for her of school being a good time that is exciting to her because like she has this other stress she has this other worry and like school is this fresh new thing. She gets to ride the bus on her own, right? And this teacher seems cool. Uh, she's also excited that Beezus is now in junior highs, and none of the teachers at her new school will know that she's Beezus's little sister. Is that something that either you, neither of you, experienced that? Oh, no, phenomenon? I heard secondhand about my siblings occasionally experiencing that because I, I mean, I am now as ever a hard act. <laughs> <laughs> same huge thing it was interesting um, i am just like young enough relative to my older sisters that there wasn't i didn't i never really had any teachers that like knew them or it mm. had been it had been five or six years since they'd mm-hmm. encountered one of my sisters there was enough like teacher turnover i suppose mm-hmm. yeah but this but this is a very real feeling of like oh yeah i mean my younger sister is only uh 3 and a half years younger than i am so we definitely had overlap and um and she i i know had to live with that and i can't imagine it was her favorite thing all yeah. the time yeah but i mean i'm not going to i'm not going to dim my light so that she doesn't have to put up with I that never you know ask that's... you to dim your light andrew i'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting out in front of some things. <laughs> but there are also these, I mean, we can't, unfortunately we can't talk about every individual little great moment in this, but like there are some just that. So that thing about her liking being dependent on and, and her sense of like this, you know, her in her own small way being like foundational to her family's success. Like that is, that is a major theme of the book, but then you also get just like these little these little moments that you never really follow up on like specifically, but that still go so far toward like not only building character, but also if you're reading the series, you know, in, a, in an ongoing way, developing your sense of Ramona as like a, a person who is growing up. And there's this little, you know, it's talking about the Santa's little helper thing with her dad um, and how he wants to be a, like an art teacher. 
Um, and it says, uh, she wondered how she was going to feel about her father's teaching art to other people's children and decided not to think about that for a while. And you never really revisit that. Nope. But it's so like heartbreaking and like real. Just and it's, it's to, to, for, for Ramona who has this like sweet, quiet little relationship with her with her dad mostly through through this book. Just her not really wanting to think about it, but also really not wanting to share that well, with, th- with other people. That's the emotional payoff of all the little jokes that are when whenever she's asking what he's studying and he's like, child development or how yeah. kids think. And she's <laughs> just like, why would you need to learn that? Like in her brain, she's like, go to Votech school. Like yeah, she doesn't yeah. know that, but that's yeah. kind of what she's thinking. <laughs> well, she also thinks, I don't want adults to know what I think. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. And then then there's also like, it's wrapped up in the scene later with the nuisance stuff. But there's also the little things, Andrew, that are like, she hears teachers talking about kids when she's like in the waiting room of the principal's office. Just like, Mm -hmm. it's all those, yeah, it's those little things that create a like, a real, demonstrate Cleary's knowledge of like, what kids are living through. Yeah. But also are very specific to Ramona's experience. So then mm-hmm. it just becomes this like several book long tapestry of a person, mm-hmm. which is yeah. Ramona almost ran into Mr. Whitman, the principal, which would have upset her even more. He was someone Ramona always tried to avoid ever since Beezus had told her that the way to remember how to spell the kind of principal who is the principal of a school was to remember the word ended in P-A-L, not P-L-E, because the principal was her pal. Ramona <laughs> did not want the principal to be her pal. She wanted him to mind his own business, aloof <laughs> and important in his office. <laughs> And that's just Perfect. that's why Ramona is so great. Like that's why she's so memorable oh, as a she's, person. She's so good. Ugh. Yeah, we we've talked probably enough about Willa Jean as the as we yeah. need to. She just sucks uh, after school. But I do <laughs> need to read. I, I have been reading this book out loud to my kids because I knew we were going to be talking about it, and I was sort of curious, like the parts that they were going to react to, mm-hmm. and the part that gets the biggest laugh in my house mm-hmm. is a Willa Jean part. <laughs> um, uh, Willa Jean's grandmother says, sweetheart, don't forget Bruce is coming over to yeah. play in a few minutes. Oh boy. <laughs> Bruce who? Asked Ramona, hoping Willa Jean and Bruce would play together and leave her alone to read. Bruce, who doesn't wee-wee in the sandbox, was Willa Jean's <laughs> prompt answer. Willa Jean, Mrs. Kemp was shocked. What a thing to say about your little friend. Ramona was not shocked. She understood that there must be a second Bruce at Willa Jean's nursery school, a Bruce who did wee-wee in the sandbox. (laughs) This brought the house down, but it's the second part that they, Claire lost her mind. Oh, yeah. Um, So Bruce knocks on the door. Uh, Willa Jean ran to let him in and introduced him as Ramona explained, this is Bruce who doesn't wee-wee in the sandbox. Bruce looked pleased with himself. <laughs> Mrs. Kemp felt the need to apologize for her granddaughter. Willa Jean doesn't mean what he what she says. But I don't wee-wee in the sandbox, said Bruce. <laughs> I wee-wee in that never mind, Bruce, said Mrs. Kemp. And they just, like, it took me 10 minutes to get them back after. <laughs> I wee-wee in the, and then the grown-ups <laughs> cut in. <laughs> and that's, that scene is fun because it also it has one of my favorite bits of art in the book um where she deploys ramona deploys sustained silent reading aka drop everything and read to get out of playing with bruce and willa jean and it works Mm -hmm. later it Mm -hmm. doesn't work but it does work that one time and she looks so cool that's basically what parenting is is just like developing ever more elaborate ruses to get free yep. time to yourself to read a dang sure. book. Yeah. yeah. Should we talk about the hard-boiled egg fad? One of the greatest chapter titles I've ever read. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So there are, I think, like, I think it's th- four. I think there are four major um, sort of scenes that, yeah. that, are, that kind of de- define Ramona's arc. And this is really the first one. The idea here is that there has been a fad at school. I like this because there are always weird fads at school that yeah, nobody mm-hmm. can explain. Mm-hmm. And this one is that everyone suddenly decided to bring hard-boiled eggs to school because you can crack them and that's cool. And in particular, you can whack them on your head and like crack the shell off. Mm-hmm. And so Ramona 
it must have a hard-boiled egg. Her mom makes her one. She takes it to school. Ramona is not going to do the wimpy tap-tap-tap-on-your-head move that many kids do. She's just going to thwack that egg onto her forehead. She does. And the egg that her mother packed is not a hard-boiled egg. It is a raw egg. Mm-hmm. And it just covers her head. It is dripping down her hair. It is slimy. It is horrible. And there is a description in particular of like attempting to wipe it off with a paper napkin. But of course it doesn't absorb the egg. And so it just (laughs) smears Mm -hmm. everywhere else. Mm -hmm. She's so, so good at these like very small tangible details. You, I can, it's like a brown paper napkin that I can just see. So clearly Mm -hmm. in my head. Yeah. Um, Not, not absorbent at the best of times and certainly not, certainly not now. Certainly not like viscous egg. No, you no, know. No, no, no. And then no. she she gets sent to the office, and in, it's this very specific elementary school experience Ooh. where you go to the office not because you're in trouble, but because something strange happened. Something's and, gone awry, and it's like <laughs> sort. Of, it's kind of mortifying, and you don't know what's going to happen to you. I just need to give a Nobel Prize to Mrs. Larson here, who. When she's taking care, Ramona nodded, grateful to Mrs. Larson for behaving as if eggy third graders walked into her office every day. Like, Mrs. Larson is just there to treat every kid like they are. Mrs. Larson's a real one. Mrs. Larson's a trooper, yeah. Like, they're just what is supposed to happen, which is just so wonderful. Yeah. I love her. So you have this trauma, obviously, of, like, the embarrassment of the egg, and you have to go to the office, and it just is terrible. Miss Larson has to, like, wash your hair out in the sink, and that's oh, terrible. Yes. So she's sitting there waiting for her hair to, like, dry off a little bit, and then we get the real trauma of this mm-hmm. incident, which mm-hmm. is that she's sitting in this back nurse's room, um, and she could hear all the teachers talking, which is, of course, the most fascinating thing of all time. And her teacher comes in. Here are the tests I was supposed to hand in. Sorry, I'm late. Then Mrs. Whaley said, I hear my little show-off came in with egg in her hair. She laughed and added, what a nuisance. Ramona was so stunned, she did not try to hear Mrs. Larson's answer. Show-off. Nuisance. Did Mrs. Whaley think she'd broken a raw egg into her hair on purpose to show off and to be called a nuisance by her teacher when she was not a nuisance? Or was she? Ramona did not mean to break an egg in her hair. Her mother was to blame. Did this accident make her a nuisance? And so this lives in her soul. Third grade is spoiled forever, she says at one point. Yeah, yeah. This awareness that her teacher not only doesn't like love her but thinks she is a show-off and a nuisance just she can't the descriptions then of like she goes into school she is just barely there she is checking the boxes she cannot muster any of the enthusiasm for like why she is supposed to be there. Yeah, because she kind of only tentatively decided that Mrs. Whaley was okay. Like like before this incident happens, she is, as as we talked about a little bit earlier, a little like she doesn't know what to make of Mrs. Whaley because yeah. it's, it's she's so different from the teachers that she had before. There's the there's the one beat where she's writing her name, Ramona Quimby, age eight, on her fruit fly jar, and Mrs. Whaley says that's really neat or something. And she's like, she, me- I, I know that she didn't mean that it was just like exactly. Tidy. It was, it yeah. was good. And yeah. so, yeah. yeah, that's her, that's her best clue. Right. Andrew, that she's like maybe a cool teacher who mm-hmm. likes her. Right. Right. Not and a regular now teacher, it's like, I'm a cool teacher. <laughs> the mask is off. Actually, yeah. this is what she thinks. Yeah. It's bad. Uh, it's bad. It's, I mean, I, this would have messed me up so hard as a small child. And it would have lived in my soul. It would have just been devastating. And so she can't really bounce back. Like her her uh, classroom friend slash nemesis, Danny, who she Yard names. Ape. Yard Ape. Yard Ape is the one who ends up sort of walking her back to the classroom after that. And he says something like, don't let old Whaley get you down. And she's like very enamored of the fact that he calls her old Whaley. And like, that's how she at least finishes the day. But it's really bad. So she has this whole experience. And part of 
how she processes that emotionally is this intense anger at her mother for having put her in this position in the first place. Mm -hmm. So she is just incredibly angry with her. And then you have this scene over the weekend. Beezus has spent the uh, sleepover night at her friend's house the last previous night. So she is just a wreck now. I like Beezus's plot in this book is like Beezus will go to these sleepovers and like have a fine time, but then it kind of wrecks her. It does. And then she's mean to people. And it's just like, Beezus, just like, don't party so hard. Just don't party so hard. (laughs) But it's, you know how it is with those group sleepovers? Like, it's, you don't sleep till everybody sleeps. Yep. Yeah. If you go to sleep before everybody else, that's a, that's a recipe for getting your hand put in a bowl of water, my dude. Yep. Well, and. Having your socks frozen. Yeah, there's, yeah. Or there's underwear. so much fiction about how sleepovers rule, and there's mm-hmm. so few fictional scenes about how afterwards you're a disaster. Yeah, and you hate everything. Mm-hmm. The realism of that is so moving to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, although this morning, my or no, this tonight, my uh, five-year-old Alice said, "I like to sleep in because it is does your body good." <laughs> <laughs> Alice. So. I was when when reading about Ramona's white hot rage at her mother for for messing up this egg situation, and and it might be because you recounted this tale so recently on on Twitter dot com, mm-hmm. but I could only think of when you failed so hard at dropping Claire off at her first day of of kindergarten sure that did. you made her late, and I it can did. only imagine that she was similarly mortified, similarly full of rage. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. So, the next scene that happens with the family is that like they're all having this terrible kind of angsty weekend. Um, they eat some tongue for dinner, which is like kind of the running. We didn't buy the good meat plot because they're mm-hmm. stretched for money. And then the girls are, are uh, prompted to make dinner on Sunday. And it's wrapped up in all of these like, how are we going to make the family feel good? But also the girls get to have a food prep caper at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right, right, right. And there are these background portraits of marriage that are really lovely and and very moving where you can feel the tension uh, wax and wane between Mr. and Mrs. Quimby. Um, And he gets frustrated with school and she's tired from work and who did the grocery shopping and how is the car going to work is a huge problem. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. um, and there is a moment where Mr. Quimby swats Mrs. Quimby on the bottom and Ramona is horrified, but she can see that her mother is pleased. And she's like, (laughs) I guess we're better now. Like it just (laughs) is. She just she she likes that her parents are still get along and she knows some parents, some kids whose parents don't. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's all, and also a nice moment. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So mm-hmm. Beezus and Ramona, yes, they have to do this beautiful scene of like how to make dinner. Um, this scene put me on edge so much <laughs> because you, there's just so much like, oh, oh, you almost got it. You're, you're almost about to make food. Like when they're putting the yogurt on the chicken, it's like, okay, like probably like you wouldn't do it exactly like that, but that's something. That's kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. But then yeah. Ramona's making the cornbread and it's just so, oh, no, it's, it's, got, it's all it's wrong. Got cream of wheat in it. My favorite part of that description, which also my children were wrapped by, um, <laughs> is when she like didn't fully measure to see if she had enough flour and cornmeal for the cornbread first and realizes that she's short. And so then she has to add cream of wheat to it mm-hmm. afterwards to like mm-hmm. make up the difference. But she spills some on the floor and they just keep pointing out how much a tiny bit of cream of wheat on the floor just makes the entire floor like grit under yeah. your feet. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, this whole talking about this section and like what the girls are up, they are like taking it seriously. Like they're not. Oh, yeah trying to make a bad dinner they're not trying to get their parents back for the tongue dinner they're actively trying to make a good meal yeah there's just comic stuff happening they're just doing it with no cookbook and no youtube no they are reading a cookbook because that's how they know to put it in the oven for 350 degrees otherwise they all would have they don't have they they have both they have both a cookbook and they have they don't have recipe cards from mr quimby's mother the handwriting of which (laughs) ramona can barely read that's true it just reminds me there's a quote from from Cleary, I think in the back of my edition of the book, about whether or not Ramona is mischievous. Mm. 
And she says, it all. It was always something that annoyed me when reviewers or critics would call her mischievous because in my mind she wasn't. So her curiosity got her into trouble sometimes, but she was never mischievous. She was imaginative, funny, and curious. All things I think are great for children to be. And I think this is a scene where a more of a, not that Ramona's not kind of a scamp, like she's fun, but like a more like antagonistic like Dennis the Menace style yeah. protagonist <laughs> yeah. would really be like, let's put Skittles in it to right, gross right, out right. dad. Like, <laughs> right, right, this right. is way more like the, the, the little things where Ramona is like, well, if we make a decent enough dinner, I'll ha- that means I'll have been good. And then that means that like I can forgive mom and she can forgive me. And like Beezus will have a normal night's sleep. And yeah. Dad can draw but a foot better. Like I we've also, all got goals. Like, you have to like game recognize game. You have to like you have to appreciate the beautiful day that mom and dad have bought themselves because oh my God. Ramona and Beezus are on their very best behavior all day because they think if they are good enough for long enough, their parents will forget that they told them they had to make dinner. <laughs> and they really, really want to get out of it. Yeah, but then on the other hand, the parents are like, we'll clean up the kitchen. Yeah. And they just sit there knowing about like the pile of chicken skins that are on the counter. I, I think Mr. and Mrs. Quimby probably, probably knew what they knew. were. Yeah, like you're... you're buying them yourself a little effort on the on the back end but you yeah. are getting a very quiet you sure reasonable are. day out of you it sure so I, I think it's a trade-off that i would make yeah <laughs> the yeah. next major vignette is back at school ramona is not feeling well yes yes so because uh, she ate yogurt chicken <laughs> that she made herself it's possible but who knows? I don't. Nobody who else knows? got sick. Yeah. Uh, but the key element here is that the car broke down. Oh and yeah. The car has had to be taken into the shop. So Ramona goes to school. She rides the bus to school. She sits staring at this blue dyed oatmeal, Ugh. which is dyed blue so that they can see the fruit fry, fly larva in it. And she's like realizes that she's going to throw up. There's a very ev- evocative description of realizing that something is terribly wrong inside of you and hoping that if you just stay perfectly still, it will be okay. <laughs> and it won't. Mm-hmm. And she throws up everywhere. And she doesn't want to be a nuisance. No. And she very piteously then goes back to Mrs. Larson, who once again is like that angel of mercy descended Mm -hmm. from heaven. Mm -hmm. Um, And she uh, falls asleep. And then there's this just incredibly moving uh, scene where... She's like, you can't call my mom because she's at work and you can't call my dad because he's at school and we also don't have a car and I'm supposed to go to the Kemp's house after. And then she just falls asleep like she can't (laughs) deal with it. And so she wakes up before or after she says, who's going to take care of me? She says, who's going to take care of me? And then Mrs. Larson says, we'll find someone. So she falls asleep. (laughs) She wakes up and she hears her mother's voice. And it just as tears filled Ramona's eyes. She was not sure her legs would stand up. And how would they get home without a car? And what was her mother doing here Was she when she was supposed to be at work? Would she lose her job? So, like, this is immediately a, the thing that she's worried about. Yeah. Her mom has t- taken a taxi to pick her up. And then Ramona spends the entire taxi ride home really upset because under any other circumstances she would be enjoying the heck out of this taxi ride and instead she's just chanting herself that she can't throw up in this taxi. It's never a great time when when someone else has to call you a taxi to get you home. It's generally a bad scene. Odds odds are you have just or are soon going to be throwing up if somebody else has called you a taxi. Yep. Yep. Uh, But she makes it home before she throws up again. She then spends the next several days very piteously sick, very good sick descriptions, extremely effective of like sort of waking up and then falling asleep again, getting starting to get really grumpy. She assumes that her dad is going to be bringing is late because he's going to bring her a present. But he's not late because he's going to bring her a present. He's late because the car needs a new transmission. They don't know how they're going to pay for it. It's this incredible source of stress. Um, They drop off uh, a classmate of hers who seems like not her closest friend. No. Drops (laughs) drops off uh, these very carefully written cursive letters from all of her friends at school that, um, that are like, Dear Ramona, I hope you get well. And... She thinks about how 
she feels like the one from Mrs. Whaley is probably not honest because she's clearly lying about the fact that she actually likes Ramona and hopes and she gets better. Beezus is like, they all have just copied it down from the blackboard anyway. Yeah. Whatever. Yes. But there is one from Yard Ape which says, Dear Superfoot, get well or I will eat your eraser. <laughs> <laughs> Ramona smiled because his letter showed he liked her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have I have very fond memories of it was a time in middle school where I was out for a death in the family. And like I can remember clear as day the phone call I had with my friend Steve. Where he just like he called me and told me about a stupid kid that a, a stupid thing that another kid did as if mm-hmm. it was just like hey just wanted to let you know <laughs> there's some stuff that you here's miss. what you're missing yeah and it was just like that was a re- he was a real dude in that moment it yeah. was pretty great what he a pal my, he was my yard ape yeah that's nice get yourself a yard ape. Yeah, everyone needs one. Uh, But eventually she has to face up and go back to school and deal with the Mrs. Whaley thing. Uh, It really has to be resolved. And so they uh, find she she does this incredible book report. She's been told that she's supposed to sell the book. And then there's Beezus also has this great description. She's like, all the kids are just going to end with like, if you want to find out what's next, read the book. And like... (laughs) Oh my it's good God. that she's got Beezus to give her the inside scoop because yeah. it really it really helps right. her avoid yeah a uh, a, a pitfall. That really does. Yeah. And Beezus is also like one of the kids is gonna say if you don't read the book I'll punch you. And Ramona's <laughs> like that's Yardape for you. That's yeah. gonna be him. Well, and Ramona also had like s- some transformative commercial watching experiences while she was ill. So now yeah. she's also like, real commercials. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like the like the ShopRite thing. Like the, yeah. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Guy was a real guy. Yeah. Yep. And the cat. And he was the source the of many the back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the cat with the back and forth dancing. Also yes. very memorable. She didn't mention the products. No. In the no book. I don't think. Which means that the ads didn't. They didn't do their intended thing, but they did. No. Although she <laughs> does memorable. say Wells Fargo wagon a couple times. Well, so, uh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Come yeah. down. Coming well, we down. talked about uh, Beverly Cleary being a giant capitalist before, and yeah, this is just yeah. So she does. She puts Ramona drank this... an ice cold Coke as she waited for her mom to come, I'd come pick her up I'm from just... school. She puts together this little commercial for this book, The Left Behind Cat, and it's got like her friends performing in cat costumes. It really owns. I'm just looking back at how many activities I did in school that were like. Instead of a serious assignment, make it a commercial. And I don't know how I feel about that in retrospect. Mm -hmm. Just like be a businessman, child, be an ad exec. Sell it. Even Miss Whaley winds up being like, I don't know if that was the best assignment. I know. Well, she likes likes this project. She was just like, I don't know about it. There's so many great things about it, though, because Ramona can't remember what she was going to say at the end. Of the of the commercial, so instead she has to say like I can't believe I read the whole thing, <laughs> and uh, Mrs. Whaley laughs really hard. But then one of the questions Mrs. Whaley asks afterwards is like, "Did you like the book?" And Ramona's like, "No, <laughs> so boring." But that's but that also is informed by her new understanding of advertising is that they're yeah. all just kind of lying about yep. like they, that cat didn't really walk forward and backward. Yeah. Nope. That guy probably didn't even eat that whole thing. Yeah. 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 Yes. So, or if he did, he probably could believe it. Then they really no? have this come to, um, come to Beezus moment about come to how. Beezus moment. <laughs> That's about... the kind of stupid thing that I get to say on this podcast. I'm having fun. Um, <laughs> About the like nuisance thing and about mm-hmm. how how upset she is about this. How, um, does that, Mrs- how do they break? Yeah, how does that conversation yeah. break open? Yeah. So first, uh, she admits that she didn't like the book, and then Mrs. Whaley has this moment, which is so human, where she's like, uh, "I actually think that was a good way to end your report. Asking the class to sell books they don't really like isn't fair. Now that I think about it, <laughs> I was only trying to make re- book reports a little livelier." Encouraged by this confession and still safe mm. behind, she's still wearing this cat mask, yeah, yeah. She, which she feels safer behind. Ramona had the boldness to speak up. Mrs. Whaley, she said with her heart pounding, You told Mrs. Larson that I'm a nuisance, and I don't think I am. 
Mrs. Whaley looked astonished. When did I say that? The day I got egg in my hair, said Ramona. You called me a show-off and said I was a nuisance. Mrs. Whaley frowned, thinking, why, Ramona, I can recall saying something about my little show-off, but I meant it affectionately, and I'm sure I never called you a nuisance. Yes, you did, insisted Ramona. You said I was a show-off, and then you said, what a nuisance. Ramona could never forget those words. (laughs) Mrs. Whaley, who had looked worried, which I also love because you're like, she's thinking, oh, dang it, what did I say? Oops. Um, Smiled in relief. Oh, Ramona, you misunderstood, she said. I meant that trying to wash egg out of your hair was a nuisance for Mrs. Larson. I didn't mean that you personally were a nuisance. Uh, So Ramona feels a little better. And then she says, I wasn't showing off. I was just trying to crack an egg on my head like everyone else. And then here's my favorite part. This is a great line. Mrs. Whaley's smile was mischievous. Tell me, Ramona, she said, don't you ever try to show off? (laughs) Ramona was embarrassed. Well, maybe sometimes a little, she admitted. And then she added positively, but I wasn't showing off that day. (laughs) And it's like, you can imagine the version where it's like perfectly resolved, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where there's, there's no mixture of feelings here. Yeah. Well, and 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 it, yeah. It it gives you a little it's another opportunity to learn about Ramona where it's like it's not oh it's not that she's a show off only in Mrs. Whaley's eyes. It's like no, she does like attention. That I was reading um and I w- I won't like spend a lot of time quoting from it. There's a really good article on the artifice.com by oh, I don't have the ar- the author's name ahead of me, but um it's about Ramona Quimby. Um it is like the legacy of Ramona Quimby. And it just talks about that attention factor and like Ramona likes attention. Sometimes she gets negative attention and then sometimes it's positive attention. And this is like a moment where, yeah, it could just be a thing that another thing that Mrs. Whaley takes back. But it is instead a a thing where she gets to like see Ramona for who she is, tell Ramona she sees her for who she is. And Ramona then has to acknowledge that and like bond with a person about it. Yeah. It's really cool. It's really, it's, it's so lovely um there is a sort of coda section of the book they have another really fine it's fine they have another really terrible weekend and then the dad is like we're like this weekend has been terrible let's go to a restaurant everyone is sort of astonished by the fact that they can go to a restaurant a kindly old man ends up paying their bill the thing that I like about it is that it could, again, it's the same. It's like a not quite as a deft version of the Mrs. Whaley thing where mm-hmm. it could have just been like he pays the bill in the end. And instead, she does make sure to have this moment where it's like, there's not going to be a guy paying the bill tomorrow. Like yeah. Yeah. The day, ev- days are going to continue to be hard. But right now in this one moment, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, a real banger of a book, I personally feel. <laughs> Andrew, how was your adult apparent now read? I mean, just all the, the there's, it, it was both the little moments between Mr. and Mrs. Quimby, which we mm. talked about a little bit with like the smacking on the bottom and stuff. And then a little bit of Ramona thinking about her parents in a way that I can sort of in. I don't know if I thought about my parents in this exact way at the time, but I can definitely like identify with it now that they're getting a little bit older. It's like um, uh, there, there's a moment where uh, the family is poking fun at Mr. Quimby for, for his hair thinning on yeah. top. And, uh, and Ramona had two feelings about this conversation. She did not want her father's hair to grow thin or her mother's hair to grow gray. She wanted her parents to stay exactly as they were forever and ever. But oh, how good it was to see them be so affectionate with one another. Um, she knew her, father, her mother and father loved one another. But sometimes when they were tired and hurried or when they had long, serious conversations after the girls had gone to bed, she wondered and worried because she knew children whose parents had stopped loving one another. Now she knew everything was all right. And just that... that um, like her sense of her own parents and thinking about like Henry, what he might observe about our behavior as he gets a little bit older. And Catherine, I'm sure you've, you've sure. 
got feelings about, about this as well. Cause it can't like, you can't not have feelings about your kids and, and your parents and your experience as a parent when you're reading stuff like this. But yeah, it, it was mostly, it was, it was mainly stuff like that. And then just also I, I did not catch Craig. Did you happen to catch who did the illustrations in the edition that we read? Because I think those also are really great. I mean, it's just, it's mostly just, let me double Various check that pictures it's still of, Tracy Dockray. I'm not it's, sure. Yeah, it's mostly just like still photos of Ramona in like various poses. But there's like one with her and her dad where they're both trying to draw a foot, which is very sweet. Mm-hmm. And um, it's mostly just Ramona looking exactly like Claire doing various activities. It's Yeah, yes. <laughs> I mean, there are Like some... right down to the perpetually a little messy hair. Ours yeah. are, oh, the edition that I read, it was um, Jacqueline Rogers. Jacqueline yeah. Rogers. Yeah. Jacqueline mm-hmm. Rogers, yeah. Um, yeah, the Ramona illustrations, I cannot remember who illustrated uh, the original version of Beezus and Ramona, but there is a truly iconic, iconic image of Ramona looking like her eyebrows are like this and her hair is all askew. And what she's saying is, I think it's, she's very, very young at the time, like four. Mm. And the quote right underneath it is, I am too a Mary Sunshine. And that, I... <laughs> I think that was a Louis Darling or a Louis oh. Darling. Yeah. Oh, oh, I mean, <laughs> tr- like on the, you know, pantheon of American literature, it's that image. And I am too a Mary Sunshine. I am Sunshine. too a Mary Sunshine. <laughs> Yeah, this is a this is a great book, and I, I it was interesting to read it, having never read any of them. I felt mm-hmm. like I was not missing a beat at all. That's mm-hmm. like very successful kids' book writing. Um, but yeah, the 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 complexity. What you were just saying, Andrew, about like, uh, oh, I'm having kind of sad feelings about what I hope will never change, but I'm having good feelings about what is what I'm seeing right in front of my face. Like, Cleary's very good at creating little scenes where Ramona feels multiple things at once mm-hmm. and then generally works that, like, just is is able to live with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and to bring it around to Bluey one more time, because I feel like that's on brand for sure. us. <laughs> it's on brand, and it's, it's, like, where I think there is, like, a cultural obviously a cultural zeitgeist around like how parents feel about bluey yeah and, like, yeah what yeah. it is for kids right now and all that mm-hmm. yeah well and mm-hmm. arguably you never get bluey without like ramona yeah that's, I would no say no, that, no yeah. but the, yeah it's the thing about like ramona and bluey both do it i think they're like the very best like s-tier kid content <laughs> that's that's meant to be viewed together with adults does it is it's like it appeals to the kids because it's kids doing kids doing kid stuff and then appeals to the adults because they remember being those kids and also they identify with being those adults and Mm -hmm. it's like it it gets you coming and going in in a way that is really like genius and insidious and I do think that that Bluey should be on some kind of like international terrorism list because of the emotional terrorism yes. that it does yes. in many of its episodes. Yes. And Beverly Cleary what... is, is flirting with that. A hundred percent. There as well. are yeah. harder scenes in other books. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's a little, there's a, it's less uh, likely to go into the emotional place on, on, in terms of just percentage of material. But I think some of the best Calvin and Hobbes hits that. Yes. Too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, Ramona and her father, if you really want to cry. Oof, yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. I just think I, about Calvin's dad saying that Santa would like a cold beer. Yeah. And like that's my. <laughs> That's yeah. That's that's, that's a my, moment uh, like that in Calvin there was and Hobbes. A, there was a there's a Calvin and Hobbes Twitter account that just tweets out like random strips, and one was just Calvin going to both Hobbes and then both of his parents each in a separate panel showing off his dangling tooth mm-hmm. coming out of his mouth, and mm-hmm. everyone just recoiling in horror. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, "This is so cool." Santa, uh, Santa really wants a cold beer. Is how my eldest child figured out about Santa. So. <laughs> Listen, there there are worse ways for it to go, and especially especially that Santa is super cool. That's exactly. She figured out that Santa is yeah is rad and like smokes and drinks. And I think unless you already knew that about Santa, you probably wouldn't ever read that panel and think, "Well, wait, now is Santa rad?" But that is exactly (laughs) well, and just for her for her to just to 
for it to come to her as a thing that maybe she suspected already. Yeah. And also for it to happen in the off season is just, I, I feel yeah. like you got off easy. I don't know that you can repeat that with Alice. I it's feel like so with true. Alice, it's going to be a, a major, well, Alice told like breaking me she, of her reality. <laughs> no, Alice recently told me that she does not think the tooth fairy exists. And I said, really? Well, tell me more, which mm-hmm. is crucial. You can't confirm or deny at any yeah, point. Right, you just right, right. ask for more. Mm-hmm. She said, I just, I think it's actually lots of fairies. And I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> Okay, thank you. That one fairy couldn't do all of this, but no, at least he no. probably outsources. Yeah. <laughs> one fairy had an idea, and now it's franchises. That's so. right. Yeah. So Catherine, we'll, we'll see. Thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your love of this book, sharing your thoughts on parenthood, and uh, that p- play on words that you said about Beezus. Thank you for that. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for for having me I'm so excited for this uh, voyage that you are about to embark upon yeah good luck idiot (laughs) by Uh, by the time this is on the feed the the will the ship will have sailed the good times will be rolling that's right that's right and it's gonna be so good and you're gonna be such a good dad and if i think about that too much i will cry so instead yeah i'm just gonna say like see you later nerds yeah that's why i did that's why i said my thing is because i can't like you know we got we have like two or three more podcasts to record this week i can't be having emotions on all of them (laughs) i will just say as two of my closest friends who are parents i feel very grateful to know you and your children. Hmm. And I, nice. I feel like I will benefit and my child will benefit from the parenting that you have already done. That's that's very nice. Yeah, whatever. Fart noises, womp womp, beezus creases. If you want to email us um, whatever words a teacher said to you in elementary school that you'll never forget, um, I'm very grateful for my third grade teacher who told me my new glasses looked studious. Otherwise, I'd have a complex for the rest of my life. Um, studious. It was uh, it was honestly the best thing I needed that day. I felt very insecure, and she told me that she gave she used a word that rewarded my love of reading, and I've nice. been okay about it ever since. Um, send us an email at overduepod at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at overduepod. We're probably up st- updating our Instagram now too. That's also at overduepod. Um, our theme song is by Nick Larangis. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where do they go? Overduepodcast.com is our internet website. Up there we have links to the books that we have read and the ones that we are going to read. Uh, we also have a Patreon project, patreon.com slash overduepod. If you support the show there, you get bonus episodes early. You get access to our long read projects early. I think by this, yeah, this is like coming out in late November. So we will yep. have mentioned our next long read project, Sand By Me. <laughs> A long-form examination of Neil Gaiman's Sandman series. Yep. <laughs> we will also have wrapped up uh, the Goosebumps series, so there should be main feed uh, Goosebumps episodes. There'll be one more of those coming in December, which will be the uh, bonus Goosebumps episode where Andrew and I talk about the 2015 film Goosebumps. We had which, a great time. Honestly, Catherine, did you ever watch Detective Pikachu? I forget. I have not seen... Ooh. The both, masterpiece. That both is Detective, Detective Pikachu, Pikachu and Goosebumps honestly might be good watches yeah. with the girls because they both whip. Yeah, they well, both whip. But they're also my, family friendly. Yeah, Claire likes <laughs> scary things and Alice hates them. So any okay. Goosebumps related content is iffy, but Detective Pikachu could slap. Yeah. Goosebumps isn't too. It's scary in like a giant bug chases you down a roadway, not in like a jump scare kind of way. Mm, okay. So good to yeah, know. To, you know, take that as yeah. you will. Um, but yeah, we'll have our December schedule up soon. Uh, we're going to be returning to recording episodes in real time again soon instead of banking them. So yep. that's I think that's going to be a fun adventure for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks so much everybody for listening. Craig, is there anything else? I don't think. So, all right, everybody, until we get you next time, please try to be happy.
That was a HeadGum Podcast.